episode 652 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of Comic Book Podcast. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? That was the appropriate amount of Mississippi's. That's the only way I do it, Joe. Three to five is good. Two is no good. Six is too long. I think we're having connection issues. Right. After seven, it's a bit excessive. Right. But, uh... (laughs) I'm doing pretty good. Other than my red eyes, I'm doing good. Oh, my goodness. Hopefully nobody calls you out on that. You just did, so. Oh. Well, that's why we do an audio show. You know, there's no video element on this uh, this mess. Right, because we don't want all that handsome out there, you know, getting mm. out in the wild. Yes, uh, yes. Would you like to know what's on the show today, Joe? I do. I would love to know what we're going to be talking about from the world of comics and entertainment from this last week. Right. In news, which I think is sponsored by Daily Planet News this week. Um, oh. Marvel wishes someone luck in all their future endeavors. Uh, a possible character's demise. And hot trailer talk. Hopefully it's about the Barbie one, Joe. Um, no conventions. What we read last week, which was just one book, Clobber in Time and Number One. What we're looking forward to this week, thanks to the pool post. Um, Todd and Joe have issues where we do Sandman's 27 and 28, the end of Season of Mists, and I may have a you know a problem about the next batch. Um, a Todd's Art Attack, finally. And finally, at the end of the show, uh, spoiler filled talk of the latest episode of The Mandalorian. Name that tune style, maybe? Yeah, you probably could do it that way. All right. Uh, yeah, again, we'll, we'll get into that when we get into that, right? Right. Should be a short show, Joe. Um, so, big news this week, not just in the world of comics, but in everything that kind of Marvel touches. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaac Perlmutter, is that the way that you pronounce that name? I guess. I have a Perlmutter, murder, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was let go from uh, his position as chairman of Marvel Entertainment. Right. Um, You know, cost-cutting measures or whatever it is, and everyone's like, oh, man, you know, thank God he's gone. He was a monster, and he was horrible, and whatever it was. And he might have been, but... I don't know. It's... <laughs> He's the one who kind of like helped the ball rolling to get like the movies that everyone loves made, right? Right. Um, he may not have been a nice guy, but I'm going to assume that most um, <laughs> uh, most chairmans and most guys in suits aren't nice guys. Yeah, that's true. I would say that. Mm-hmm. There's only a few that I know that run certain entertainments, but anyway. Right. I think he's the exception, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's all these, you know, and it's it's one of those things where there's been, been a bunch of little things that he's done um, over the last several years and, you know, allegations of, you know, hiring cheaper um, actors of color, um, allegations of being against any female-led movies and or TV shows. Right. Um, You know, that was on the movie side and not the TV side, where you saw a lot more of that come through, Um, you know, from Jessica Jones to the more recent Miss Marvel shows and stuff like that. Um, 
I just assume anybody who's worth like mil- billions of dollars is probably not a good guy. Yeah, they had to get it somehow. You know what I mean? Like, you don't get to the top by being a nice guy. So. Yeah. But my favorite was, like, back when he was, like, the Marvel days, like, the comic company kind of deal. Like, I don't know if you saw, like, Kurt Busiek kind of going off on him. I did not. Like, how like how cheap he was back in the day. And there was, uh, like, a, like he was, like, at the time I was there and he was there. He's, like, he was trying to put out a proclamation, like, like the people in the bullpen and everything, like, were supposed to buy and bring their own toilet paper to work. And he was like, that, he goes, that was above and beyond too far. And then people would chime in with, like, in that, uh, because he was talking about, like, how cheap the man was and, like, a tweet when he retweeted it. And then people would be like, I heard this. And he was kind of like, yeah, I, that kind of happened. That never happened while I was there. And I, I went down that rabbit hole, and that was fun. You know what I mean? And uh, Kurt Busiek might be the tweetness man in comics. Like he has, <laughs> I went back to look for them, and he has like one, like on an average, like every four minutes. <laughs> so I think I saw somebody like a mutual of ours tweet out that one of their relatives worked under him while he was like the big muckety muck. Right. And the thing about the it was a big like the toilet paper was a big deal because apparently they were checking um, employees desks to see what toilet paper they had Mm -hmm. because you were allowed to bring toilet paper from home. But there was accusations that people were taking toilet paper from the from the bathrooms there at the offices and hiding them in their desks and claiming that they brought them from home. Oh my God! The the Marvel Comics toilet paper opportunity. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just you know, obviously not a nice guy. Apparently, you know, you take the good with the bad, I guess. But uh, you know, as Todd mentioned, uh, good luck in your future endeavors, right? I hope he'll be okay on that big pile of money. Yes. Right, and that's the thing. They cut a bunch of like that upper whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there was like a co-president and a chief counsel that got let go. Um, and then Kevin Feige and Robert Iger kind of like filled those positions, like who already had positions higher up. They've now filled those positions. Right. Consolidating a lot of positions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, why, why pay five guys millions of dollars when you could pay those two guys the same money that we've always been paying them to do the work of five people right five guys not a sponsor but um yeah that's the way it is and sometimes though uh two people can do the job of five people you know what i mean sometimes it's extra work sometimes it's you know a lot of deadbeats getting getting gone you know right so um so this is just a follow-up um from a story that we had discussed before just touching on it um, the advertising for the big Spider-Man summer, uh, story, mm-hmm. uh, there had been speculation, um, you know, they're like, uh, the truth finally revealed at what cost, uh, the most shocking issue of amazing Spider-Man in 50 years. And people were pointing out that it was the 50th anniversary of the death of Gwen Stacy. And now they've solicited a book to come out called fallen friend um, and they're doing a lot in the advertising of the story, not in the actual story itself, but in the advertising of the story that, um, they're going to kill off Mary Jane. 
Sure. Right. And I think because they're being so heavy handed about it that it can't be her. What? A bait and switch show? <sighs> it's not so much the bait and switch. We call them red herrings. Yeah, it's it, they make you they make you think what they want to think, but they never said it. You know what I mean? Yeah, as a misdirect. You know, right. like the clue there there are clues that X is gonna die, right? Right. But we're gonna give you a bunch of fake clues that Y is gonna die. So you focus on those clues as opposed to the actual clues that are a little bit more stealthy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I I don't I and I don't like the whole thing, the most shocking Spider-Man story in 50 years, because that kind of forgets like Dan Slott's Spider-Man that goes into Superior Spider-Man, seven, you know, eight ninety-eight or whatever. I think that's you know the biggest shocking book in the last 50 years from Spider-Man. But I'm with you. I don't think they're gonna gonna do any of that because I just think fridging you know a certain character is as they say wouldn't go over well you know what i mean they're they're gonna do something else and you know and you you, you mentioned that of course uh the villain of the storyline is dr octopus so yeah you never know yeah i hope they don't kill aunt may again no they can't kill aunt may um let's take a wild swing and say they're gonna kill off J. jonah jameson I'm going to take a wild swing and say they kill off Peter Parker. No, they can't do that. And then uh, Ultimate Spider-Man shows up with that big ultimate crossover of the Ultimate Universe taking over or something. I don't know. We'll see. I think we're coming up on like the 20th anniversary of that. So I can't think like who like like, at this point, I don't know. Like we go down that road of who are they going to kill? And I think I I don't want to speak for you, but if you agree, you know, let me know. I'm just so like played out on any of that, like the death of whoever, because like in like in rare instances, does it like affect me? anymore you have to like nail it in the dialogue and the art to give me an effect but then shortly after it's like all right well two years three years you know like before it was like oh uh wolverine didn't have his adamantium for x amount of years but now like the the attention span on people it's like it's gonna revert in less than two years anymore Uh, So, so i'm done right so as you know we do previewing the past over on the patreon and we have you know, we're just 30 years and a few months off of the death of Superman. We're coming up on the big Nightfall saga. We're going to be hitting the Green Lantern, Hal Jordan stuff here shortly, right? Right. So, like, that's 30 years ago that they were using this as a regular all-the-time gimmick. If you're going to kill someone off in a modern comic book, 2023, big two comic book, and you're going to make it the selling point of the crossover, that person better, first of all, better be a good story, first and foremost. Second of all, that person better stay dead, dead forever. No two years. No, we bring them back. No, it was a clone. No, whatever it is. If you're going to go through all this trouble to make it this big of a deal, that person can never come back. But I, 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 that'd be great, but it's never going to happen. Because do you remember, and we used to say this at the shop a lot, the only comic book axiom was uh, only Bucky and Uncle Ben stay dead. And Bucky's back. Yeah. So in the history of comics, I guarantee you everybody's come back but Uncle Ben. So that would be the biggest shock that they could do 
was bring like legit, not like, oh, it's a fake out. It's a scroll. It's a clone. Legit Uncle Ben back. That's the only thing that would surprise me at this point. I will say as an avid Spider-Man reader um, in the last 10 years, they've done two Uncle Ben fake outs. But this wouldn't be a fake out. This would be the real deal. And then he'd have to stay alive forever. Yeah. And then with great power comes great responsibility. wouldn't matter anymore. Now, another thing uh, that we have in the news is that the Daily Planet is now real. That was always real to me, Joe. Well, again, it's finally caught up with technology uh, from today. Because if you go to dailyplanet.com, uh, they have a blog up. They have some uh, ads there that you're, that break through your ad blocker for your Big Belly Burgers and Ferris Air and Gotham Academy and so on and so forth. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's it's it's pretty neat that they're doing something with the Daily Planet IP. And this whole idea, I mean, we've done it in the past in bursts, in different ways, mostly in print, you know what I mean? But I, I, I always, like, we go back to, obviously, we're talking about the, the Patreon and Previewing the Past, like, where they had that news time. We talked about the news time comic that was the death of Superman, like, in the gap when, you know, they had a month where there was no Superman titles. Like, here's the news time. And I was a sucker for that. I was a super, like, like sucker for that. And... Uh, just the fact that they never did like, or even in the, I think they did like on the editorial pages and stuff like that, have some daily plan stuff, but it was usually news about like from the editor's books coming out, but I would have been a sucker for a monthly daily planet slash comic that like reported on the, the the stuff going on in the universe. Cause I remember like an ad for invasion, like when it was coming out, like they had a thing from the daily planet. It was like, you know, in reporting from Cuba, like the flash has been seen fighting, you know, uh, the invasion here and there. And I was like, why don't you do this? I would have been all over this. The fact that it's free now is really cool. And I, and I will be checking this out, hopefully reporting on the news and seeing what they use for advertising. Cause I think that would be funny to see like Chaco's advertising and stuff like that, Joe. So I'm all in on this. Right. So, and again, I don't know how often that they, they're going to update it. Um, I know from when you had sent it to me to now, the only thing that they fixed was like the redirect on it mm-hmm. on the URL itself. And I'll go you one better. Okay. I'm with you. I like when they treat the daily planet as a real thing. Um, you know, you mentioned invasion, you mentioned the news time thing. Uh, there's no reason that there can't be like a little handout flyer that when they send the DC previews, whatever the DC previews is called now, right. You get just like a little newsprint, like four thing. It's just, you know, folded like a newspaper, right? It doesn't have to be a big thick thing, but it just says daily planet, you know, and it has like, so, you know, it, it comes in with what would have been, I think, what do we get? Just the June previews. Yeah. Right. So we got the June previews, but with that, they send the daily news thing for the May books. Right. And you do like news stories about like, oh, you know, whatever's happening. And then like, go pick that up when whatever comes out on May, whatever date. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they just do like a kind of like, I can't imagine how much it would be to print out like a little newsprint style thing as a freebie giveaway just to promote their books. Right. Yeah. 
Now, that being one thing, and on the other hand, again, out of my purview, I'm just giving away ideas for free. Why is there not a Daily Planet app that's essentially like every news aggregator out there from your local news to New York Times to TMZ where you open that app and it gives you just like rotating news stories of like whatever the books for the week are treating what's going on in the books as real life events. It gives you updates and alerts of like, Oh, this and this is happening right now. You know, Joe, I think this might be the single best idea you ever had. Okay. Not joking around. You think I'm tweaking you? Well, you never know. The I'm idea- sensitive about that sort of thing. Yeah. The idea of, like, news alerts and they would, like, time to, like, the week of the comic. Like, yeah. Batman scenes fighting, uh, you know, the Joker or, Bat- or Superman, like, mass parasite clones attack, you know, city get indoor like whatever the only thing i could see them like being like the the empty suits that we talked about before being like oh no it's gonna be like a war of the worlds thing where people are gonna be jumping out their windows because they think you know uh, parasite clones are attacking but that being said i would subscribe to that and check and when my notifications go off i would check immediately to see what was going on in the dc universe and then be like am i gonna buy that um maybe if you give me like the cool like the cool write-up you know what i mean it could happen with some like artwork as a photo or whatever boom make that happen if that doesn't happen then the daily bugle needs to steal that idea so and right you just do it like like you know how it is on the site and i'm just let the site right now like what are the things it's like uh mysterious super twins spotted right mm-hmm. and when you click on it it takes you to the solicitations for action comics 1051 uh, the other one has Luthor corrupted Superman, and it takes you to Superman 1. Um, metahuman whatever, and it takes you to the Unstoppable Doom Patrol number 1. That's essentially what it is, but it just takes you to that page like it does on the website, but it'll take you to a place where you could buy it digitally. Or, or it'll ask you, um, you know, do you want to continue this story digitally or in person? And then digitally, of course, it'll take you to the DC infinite universe thing to sign up for that or buy it through there or whatever. But in person, it'll take you to like the comic book store locator. Yeah. And it'll try to find you where a comic book store in your area is. Right. Yep. Or and, I'll do you one better, Joe. What if they brought back subscriptions? Oh, you know what I mean? Like subscribe, like daily Planet. like subscribe to our, you know, coverage of Superman with our Superman editions. You know what I mean? Like, and it's Superman in action and, you know, s- stuff like that. I, I don't know. I think, you know, it, it, it does work, especially, like you said, for digitally. Because digitally it works beautifully. Like, immediate, you want to read the story, buck 99 or whatever it is, buy it. But, like, there's so many possibilities here, Joe. So many. You're a genius. Well, I'm not a genius. I'm just like, I don't know. This just feels like uh, an easy thing to do, you know? Right. Feels like an opportunity ready to happen. Oh, well, again, DC could use a win this week. Um, Lastly, but not leastly, um, DC had been putting up a whole bunch of things on the aforementioned DC universe, infinite, whatever, you know, they Mm -hmm. do 
uh, digital exclusives, and they were getting ready to put it out as a collection called Speechless. Right. Before they found out that there was already a comic book called Speechless. Right. From an independent publisher. Um, and they didn't decide to look into it or anything else like that. So when it comes out in print, it's going to be called Silent Tales. Right. Uh, but on the website, the digital version is still going to be called Speechless. Obviously, that's the difference between digital and print. Mm-hmm. Um, I only wish that DC ended up printing a bunch under the name Speechless. Oof, right. So we could have added it to the pile of more DC print flubs. Do you know why DC is doing a book with no dialogue? It's uh, so they can't screw up the word balloons when they do it as a trade paperback. We can still put the pages out of order, but at least we can't leave out word balloons. Because mm-hmm, what if they go you one better and accidentally put a word balloon in there? Oh, my God. Who put the word balloon in our speechless? I mean, silent tales. Well, the book comes out in print in two weeks, so we'll have to double check. We'll have to thumb through it to see if we find any errant word balloons. That would be fantastic. That would, uh, and that's the reason this got mixed in. I was like, "Oh my god, this is so like just finding new ways with their trade paperbacks, Joe." But I will say this: it, you know, it's a beautiful looking book. You know, we're looking at the preview art for it here, um, and it's the art by Gustavo Duarte is fantastic. Yep, and. I don't know if I knew this was a thing on DC's digital platform. I don't know if they're doing exclusive stuff on there. They should do a better job of advertising that they're doing exclusive stuff on there, especially stuff that looks this good. Joe, you know where they could give us that information? Oh, oh, where would that be, Todd? On on the Daily Planet. (sighs) The app. It could send you alerts. We could be. Listen, I, I could be Mandela affecting myself. Let me look. Is there already a Daily Planet app? Daily? There was a DC Universe one that kind of did a lot of that, but it also worked with like cons. Back when, I don't know, do you remember DC would go to cons? It would give you like the times and stuff at their table. People would show up and then it would have like comic book news too, but it wasn't Daily Planet. Uh, there is no um, there is no Daily Planet app. Right. We'll have to get somebody on the horn, so... I know a couple of people that make apps, so they might have to go into business for themselves and just make it for me. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. And last but not least, over the last couple of days, we have been inundated with summer movie and TV show trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the Blue Beetle trailer where we got a teaser for the trailer, and then we got the trailer. Then we got a trailer for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse 2. And we got a trailer for Secret Invasion, which got an official release date just last week. Right. I didn't watch any of these. The only one that I watched, I did not watch the Secret Invasion one. I think I may have watched like a teaser back when they kind of like had the first one of that was the Secret Invasion one. But I did watch the Blue Beetle one because that one intrigued me Um, just because I have no idea what to expect. 
And I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch this movie regardless. Yeah. But I wanted to see what it would look like. And it was fun. I was going to make a joke that the Jaime Reyes run of, you know, uh, Blue Beetle was a little too uh, Latino for me. But no, it's like they have all great stars. I can't think of uh, who the uh, uh, George Lopez is in it. And the look of the armor uh, that they do in the Scarab is fantastic. Um uh, so yeah, I watched that one, and I'm, and I'm and it, and it made me genuinely interested in that one. The rest I did not watch, but going off just a slight tangent, it is comic related. Like I said in the beginning, I did watch the Barbie trailer, and it was amazing. So did I, and I want to watch. I want to go see Barbie the movie. So I will nitpick and say I don't like the joke that they ended the trailer with. Which because jo- I get confused of the order. They were gonna have a beach off. Oh, okay, I get you. Yes, that one. Because I was trying to think if it was they go to the real world was the joke. You know what I mean? But go ahead. So I thought the Barbie. I had no expectations for the Barbie trailer, and I thought it looked really good. I like exceptionally good. Yeah. But I think, like I said, the thing I like about it is they're holding back. Like, I do believe, I think Jimmy Pamiotti might have said this on Twitter, so I don't want to steal his thunder. But where it's like, oh, I feel like they only gave us, like, the first 15 minutes of the movie footage. And then they go to the real world and, like, you know, things are different. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. You've given me the vibe of what I'm seeing in this movie. And you're going to get my money. And uh, Margot Robbie is Barbie. Really good, respectfully, Joe. I'm tipping my cowboy hat and uh, <laughs> tapping a bottle of barbecue sauce while we do that. Um, there you go. Um, so I want to just mention here um, someone who I'm a fan of, and I think Todd is a fan of as well. Dan DiDio uh, did post a big thing about the Blue Beetle trailer. Right. Um, and it was just a whole thing of, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, uh, but he just mentions, uh, I was happy to see the positive reaction to the Blue Beetle trailer yesterday and surprised to see my name enter the conversation and then watch it quickly removed. And then he kind of gets into how, what the collaborative process on a character like this is. Right. And he goes through and he's talking about all the different people that were involved. And he says that, he goes, I understand that Keith Giffen and Cully Hamner and whomever else are getting, like, the credit credit for it. Mm-hmm. But then he goes through the whole thing of, like, I was involved, and Jeff Johns was involved, and Greg Rucka was involved, and Judd Winnick was involved. And then we gave it another pass through so-and-so in editorial. Um, and then um, Keith referenced John Rogers to do the co-writing on it with him. And, you know, so on and so forth. And he just, like, lists all the people. And then he posts up a page, I guess, from his journals of, like, what the January, the, the, the early 2006 launch of all those books were going to be. Right. And it's just very interesting to see, like, how all that stuff sort of shook out. And, you know, um, and I think Dan gets kind of an unfair rap, but he also gets a deserved rap sometimes as well, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's done both amazing stuff and kind of bad stuff. But, yeah, I'm with you. But that being said, you know, whatever's going on, hopefully in the tra- in the movie, like during the credits, there'll be more. You know what I mean? But sometimes it's like when you have a collaborative group like that, yeah, it's tough to – you know what I mean? Like, like let's promote Blue Beetle. And here's the 35 names. You know what I mean? And it's like I get it. Everybody should get their acknowledgement. 
I think I, people should be more worried that they get their check. You know what I mean? Like, because I, I look at it as I would love acknowledgement, but I'd rather get paid. So uh, if you want both, that's that's fine. Um, but that's the way I look at it. But I will say side note, sidetrack, the fact that this may have like shook a certain creator's tree to maybe have a podcast, Joe. Well, okay. So that was going to be how I was going to close things off with this, Todd. Mm -hmm. After we were done recording last week, we were notified that salty Keith himself, Keith Giffen is going to be doing a podcast Mm -hmm. and you and I, we're woken from our hazy sleep yep. to go and research and figure out what this meant. Right. Yep. I, I found he has a Facebook page. I did not know that. Right. So he has a Facebook page. He put a bunch of stuff up on there. I don't know if like, I just looked at it today. Um, and he has a copy of the rejection letter that he got from DC comics in 2000 from in summer of 2000 of them rejecting his superman lobo pitch um and like all this other crazy stuff but the podcast is supposed to come out wednesday like tomorrow as we're recording this as you're listening to this right Mm -hmm. um episode one of keith giffen i'm not dead yet podcast drops on wednesday on all good podcasts and some bad ones, but he didn't say bad, as well as the YouTube. Um, and then he just has stay tuned for more information. Um, I can't find the link for where it is on the YouTube yet, uh, but I will include in the show notes the link to the RSS feed for yep. the podcast. So you, like I, frantically can hit refresh on it tomorrow. Uh, and hope that it's there. Right now, it's just a dead, empty RSS feed that says there are no episodes here. Okay, Joe, we're going to have a monumentous occasion on this show. Uh-oh, Todd, wait a minute. Yep. Are you going to listen to a podcast, Todd? Uh, Yes. I am listening to the Salty Keith podcast in a heartbeat. Uh, First of all, I have to ask you, did you end up going and, like, friend him on Facebook? I sent him a request, but he didn't accept me yet. Okay, I when that night, that night that we found, because we both were like, what? And I went and I was like, boom, friended him. Nothing, right? The other day, somebody was like, oh, thank you for friending me. So I canceled my request and then I hit it back again. And within 20 minutes, he friended me. So I was like, yes. So I'm going to listen. And then he asked questions and he's like, what would you like to hear on this podcast? And immediately I'm like this. And then in my head, I went this, 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 and this, but I do not want to bombard salty Keith and get like, you know, blocked or whatever. But I have a million questions that I want to see answered on this podcast. And unless it's an utter train wreck, I may have a weekly pod or however often they put it out podcast to listen to Joe. Well, I'll, I'll give you the Iggy when it comes out, you know? Yep. I'm going to see if I can remember how to use RSSS feeds. So, so whatever, or I may, uh, you know what? I may actually poke you and be like, you know what? I don't ask for you to drop box me much anymore. <laughs> I don't ask you to drop box me much anymore, but you know what? Maybe, maybe you don't need the well, Marine for, Oh, can you take that out, please? Uh, but no. So yeah, I may have questions for you after this. You know what I mean? Right. So. Uh, so yeah, busy news section, huh? 
Yep, I love that last part. Oh. All right. Uh, so no conventions of note this weekend. There's a bunch of smaller conventions, um, but like nothing, uh, you know, too heavy on the comic book. No guests of note or everything. Um, I think people are just kind of worn out, tired out from last weekend with the bombardment of conventions that there were. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you can use that time of not going to conventions to check out the soon to be named network. At soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, anytime any of the shows in the soon to be named network go live, and there was just some recently restructuring of the uh, higher ops at the <laughs> uh, board of directors for the soon to be named network, and go ahead over their social media to check that out. Right, a lot of people with mustaches in that. <laughs> yes. Um, but anytime any of those folks show up on any other shows, uh, of course, you can find them there as well, as long as they let me know. Uh, you can also find out some of our friends and what they're up to uh, on the Internet and so forth. I can go check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog at ProgressiveRuin.com. Uh, you can go check out our friend Kevin's blog at MaskLibrary.com. You can go check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop, where he does all these cool uh, sci-fi, fantasy, resin, glow-in-the-dark uh, action figures. You can go check out Chris Runt's podcast at FortressOfComicNews.com and go pick up a copy of his self-published comic, Battle Monsters. You can go check out our friend Davey of Cave People. They're a musical act. And Ro Sovia, uh, the artist on his self-published comic, Keeper. The link to that's in the show notes as well. And last week's guest of the show, Jason Sandberg, uh, his Indiegogo for Jupiter, number one. Um, jokingly, we would say that he got the long box heroes bump. Yes. But Jason is out there beating more feet than um, Broski himself. Huh. Uh, really doing a ton of press, a ton of work to get the word out there about his book. And it has shown in less than a week, um, he's already almost tripled what his original goal was. That's fantastic. Yes. And, you know, obviously he had mentioned the show last week that the way that the Indiegogo sets up is that it kind of sits there, that you can kind of buy it anytime when the uh, campaign is done. But because it's already reached this goal, there's a whole bunch of extra add-ons that were not initially in there. Um, different stretch goals have been reached. Um, and yeah, like I said, you'll find the link to this. If you already haven't supported it, support it. If you're on the fence about supporting it, uh, go check out all the stuff that Jason is doing out there. He's got a YouTube page as well where he kind of details what the book is about, what all the different stretch goals are. He is doing more work that I have seen, and he is a one-man operation. He ain't got a team of people. He ain't got whomever it is. This is all one guy busting his hump to get his self-published comic book out there, and I love to see it. Right. Uh, and I was, I was, and I was, a, I was a day one uh, supporter, and I'm sad that I'm the second person. Oh, look at it. you! Yes, I am. Just in the middle of the month, I pay off my credit card. And then I will uh, subscribe. I'll be a, a late subscriber, but with my credit card free, I can do it. So, at, at, listen, you got twenty as of this recording at twenty three days, plenty of time. That's right. In ten days, I pay off my credit card, and then, you know, I go, I go willy nilly buying things, and that's first on my list. <laughs> Uh, and also, of course, you if you do not have a comic book store in your area, or you do not have a good comic book store in your area. 
Let our comic book store be your comic book store. Comics on the Green. Head over to Dave and the gang's Facebook page. That's where Dave does all of his updates. Uh, information about when the new releases are in, when the final order cutoff dates are for some of the hottest and newest books that are coming out. Uh, Dave does a really good job of aggregating what his uh, clientele would be interested in and gives you every opportunity, there's that word, to make sure that you do not miss out on a comic book that you would kick yourself for missing out on. Yep. And you could sign up for their mail order subscription service, get your stuff mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly or monthly supporting a small business and by doing so there's a chance that you can get a sketch from our good friend becky uh on the package and this will be three weeks in a row that i get to harangue her publicly about not having a portfolio and prints available at least in time for free comic book day which is a month away yep we'll see i mention it to her every week i want to see them right the portfolio the art Right, yep. Uh, so all the links to that is all in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter where it is or how it is that you get the episodes. Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. Right, which was a clobber in time, number one, written and drawn by Steve Scross. Basically, it starts out with the uh, <laughs> with uh, Bruce Banner and the thing having lunch um, with, with Reed, but Reed is distracted. Um, and they're just talking, and along the way, a uh, there's a heist in the Baxter building while they're eating, and it's um, an amalgam of Doctor Doom's armor and Iron Man's armor, and maybe some other armored characters from the Marvel Universe. Um, we don't know much about what's going on there, but he there that person is like, I don't have time for this, and he basically shunts. Uh, banner and thing off to this other world or dimension kind of a thing and there's these like small people who who are aliens who end up like greeting them um and then basically like kaiju's attack and we find out that they have kidnapped their version of their sorcerer supreme and they're going to use it like to, to 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 like ruin everything on the planet so Thing and Hulk basically get down to business and fight some cages, which I'm definitely down for. Um, and we get to see how like Steve Scrooge is in, in uh, his just loves the idea of what's under Ben Grimm's rocky hide when he gets bust up, busted up. Because I love when anybody cuts up Ben thing a la Wolverine cutting his face so he had to wear a helmet. So you see like what's under there. Um, that's fantastic. And you know, basically that's the gist of them. Them saving that world whether and whether or not they will be able to find a way home. Um, not, not a deep issue. Not a like, you know, oh my god, this is the greatest thing I've ever read. But if you like things and Hulk fighting things. Um, this is the book for you. Yeah, and it, again, it's self-contained. You don't have to worry about continuity things. You know, you might have a question like, why does Reed Richards have a beard? And the answer to that is, why not? Right. Um, you know, they don't say, as seen in whatever issue, this is, you know, stands on itself. I know it was supposed to come out a few months ago. Um, so, you know, it's a very straightforward thing and Hulk fighting stuff. And I have a feeling eventually they're going to have to fight each other. What? No. Um, but I think the real selling point of this is Steve Scrooge's art. Mm -hmm. And I'm a fan of his art. And we did have it pointed out to us that we did miss at least two other books that he did. Right. Um, and I'm kind of kicking myself for missing out on those other books that Steve Scrooge did because I'm a fan. 
Um, but I think what also helps this book a bunch is, and I gotta grab the actual issue because it's not on Marvel's site here. Because I'm just a little bit away from the microphone. I apologize. You're fine. I've read a lot of books this week. I apologize. I have mine here. Do you want me to look for something? Yeah, who's the colorist on this? Um, the colorist is Brian Valenza. Yeah. Brian Valenza adds a lot to this, right? Yes, he does. Um, I think most of the stuff that Steve Scross has done in other places, the coloring is done by um, Richard Starkring, Starkings. You know who I mean? Yes. Does that like digital art sort of thing. And that's great. That looks awesome. But to see Scross's art colored in this way... I think adds a completely different dimension to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know Todd is a sucker like me and bought the variant cover for this by Greg small from Greg Smallwood. Right. Like I said, I am so fascinated with uh, what's under Hulk's Rocky high or things. Rocky high. Yeah. It's even on the cover a little bit. Right. And next month it gets even creepier. I don't (laughs) know if you saw the, 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 to be like, or the next issue or whatever. Yep. Yep. Um, the only problem I have with the book, and this is one of those me nerd people pushing up my glasses, is the the Hulk regenerates instantly. So he shouldn't have all those scars at the end. That's all. That's all. Well, again, this is an alternate timeline, or this is, you know, an out of right. continuity storyline, and we don't know if this, the, the, the planet or whatever it was that they were on is affecting the Hulk in a different way. Mm-hmm. Now you know how you sound sometimes. Listen, Joe. I. Listen, nobody knows more how I sound than I sound. You know right. what I mean? Since so, with the with the nitpicks, you know. Yes, I'm aware. I I wish I could turn that part of my brain off. You know, the Q-tip only reaches so far. <laughs> I got a hammer. Um. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we read from uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every week, Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is, you get your books before Warren, before Arm, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the others most look forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead with four correct guesses. It, it hurt, hurts me. It hurts me. Mm-hmm. But I go first. So I'm looking at your list, Joe. And is the book you're looking forward to most Saga 63? You know, there's two uh, Kyle Starks books coming out this week. Right. So it pains me to say that Saga 63 is the book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week. Yeah, I got that one right, at least. And I can't go backwards on the right. I, listen, I, I like all those. I like... Uh, Kyle Stark's books. Uh, I'm sure we'll end up talking about at least one of them next week. There's a lot of stuff coming out this week that we cross mm-hmm. over on. Um, as for you, right? Uh, is the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week also Saga 63? It is not. Oh my goodness. It is one of aforementioned Kyle Stark's books. I am all in. Being the big horror f- movie fan on this show. Sure. Where Monsters Lie, number three. I have loved this book since the beginning because it's something I can read without being grossed out when it comes to horror stuff. 
I just love it. It's like the, the it's like my taboo. It's like I'm not going to watch any of those movies, but I can read this comic. You know what I mean? And still and still get some of that feeling. So I don't know. I I've been really loving this book. No, that's awesome, man. Uh, like I said, you know this and uh, I hate this place. Number seven, uh, mm-hmm. very easily could have been on that list for me as well. Um, the main cover is great with the clown character with the um, flame the flamethrower. Sure, sure. Right. Um, and, yeah, man. Um, and and second ahead. coming Trinity could have been one. You yeah, know, yeah. Rest in peace, Mark Russell. Not like, not that Mark Russell. Right, the 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 musical political satirist. So, yes. I had to let you know when I saw Mark Russell tweet about. It. <laughs> and I I will say this here: I didn't know what to do with that tweet. Like, I understood why you did it, but I'm like, can't like it. <laughs> you know I'm glad he's dead. Yeah, like that that jerk, like stealing Mark Russell's name. But then I was like, well, what do I answer? I'm like, oh, like that's so bad. I was just like, he knows I know now. You know what I mean? You know. Right. I- so, but yeah, I'm like, maybe I should like, big, give it a big thumbs up emoji. A winky face. <laughs> yep. All right. So that's what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Hey, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and of course, the current ongoing uh, reread of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Uh, we are going through his entire run, not just the 75 issues of the main Sandman title. We're hitting the one-shots. We're hitting the miniseries. We're hitting the little stories that pop up uh, in anthologies. Heck, we're even getting the story that's printed on the side of a box for a statue. Yep, that's how deep this runs, Joe. Right, and this is all Todd. This is Todd's baby. Um, Not to say that I don't love this book, because I love this book, and we'll get into it. But Todd has a much deeper affinity and love for this book than anyone I've ever met. Um, so that's why I kind of let him steer the ship. And he's the one that compiled the list. We had some people reach out to us recently to get that full um, reading order. Especially, I guess, because we're going to hit a little uh, snafu in the near oh. future. But uh, more on that when we hit it. How about that? Right, right. So starting out with Sandman 27 um the penultimate issue in the in the run in the storyline uh we start out you know everybody's waiting to hear what morpheus is going to do with the key to hell and basically the envoy from fairy of cluricane and nuala are kind of like talking on when like what do you think he'll decide do you think they'll leave it empty because the, the the fairy folk have to pay a tithe to to you know to to hell and they're like he's like nope not a hope not a hope. There's too many big hitters in in that room. You know what I mean? Not down there. Like we're, you know, I don't think it'll happen. So they end up they're heading down to like find out what the word is. And along the way, they run into or they walk by uh, the Egyptian pantheon, and the uh, the cat god is kind of like, yeah, I guess when the, if if the time does come and he gives us the key, I'll have to tell him that I don't know where his brother is right now. But I do know where he was kind of a deal. So we'll kind of and they realize they're being watched and, you know, they kind of rub it down. So they kind of like let it go. And I'm like, OK, you know, not people are lying when it comes to the key to hell. Uh, so we kind of get a bit where they say like, oh, it's weird that the Greek gods aren't here. And I found that interesting of all the gods, you know, that pantheon. Um, and then like Loki's kind of like, you know what, I should have just I should have just, you know, 
kind of like kind of, kind of talk him out of it kind of a deal. And, uh, as, as they're doing that, he's like, uh, Loki's hitting on women and Thor's like, none of that. I'm hungover and I want none of it. So he kind of like calms down and we realize that everybody's in the room waiting for Sandman to give his, you know, announcement. And, uh, I, I just want to interject here. I do like in most of the art that we see him for the rest of this issue. Anytime that Thor is drawn to, um, accentuate the fact that he has a hangover, he has the storm cloud above his head. Right. Right. That's pretty cool. Um, so they're, they're waiting. And I like the fact that, uh, uh, that, uh, Matthew says, you look like you haven't slept. And he's like, I don't sleep, Matthew. And he's like, I didn't say you did. I just said you looked like you hadn't, you know, and I think that's funny. Um, and he's like saying like how he, he put everything over his mind, what everybody offered kind of a, a, a deal. And then the angels who, you know, were just there to watch the, 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 the stuff they never made a, you know, like a, 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 pl- a ploy for it. He's, they're like, we want to talk to you. They're re- Ramel and Dumas, I'm, I'm guessing that's how you say one of their names. And they asked, like, have you made a decision? And he's like, I don't know. They've all offered me something I want or need. It's hard. And he's like, uh, wait a minute. I have a message coming in from the creator. And it kind of flashes in his mind as like a moment of like, it's instantaneous. And he basically says like the message from the creator says like, we created that he created it's his creation he- heaven needs a hell it's its mirror reflection it's poetry because it rhymes uh c- kind of do it and he's like so uh without hell heaven has no meaning so and Remy loses his mind he's like no this can't be what the creator wants he's like he's like i, I have done nothing to offend them he's like I can't be sent down to the pit because if I do, you know, I've done nothing wrong. He's like, I've, my feet have never like are pure. So pure. I'm so pure. My feet have never sullied themselves with the, with, with clay. Like I, I refuse this. And in a bit, like he puts his feet on the ground and he basically is like, but how, how can I rebel? Where could I go? And he's like, Lord, Joe, somebody talk to us about this uh, scene. I get goosebumps on this scene. This moment where he, where God's basically like, you know what I want on hell, and he basically tells the the people, you're going to take it, the the two the, the angels, and he rebels because God made him do it. But in rebelling, they have to go. You know what I mean? It's it's a brilliant scene. You you're the you're, you guys are both the new Lucifer essentially. Right, and you don't even get to be the new Lucifer the cool way that he did it. Right, you're getting it as an assignment again. That line, and I know Kevin had tweeted it out saying, "But how can I rebel? Where could I go if I did?" And I have to mention when we were rereading this, right? And it's been a while since I've reread mm-hmm. this, and I knew I, I knew that Morpheus does not keep, uh, you know, hell. And then as people are coming up, and then we get the whole pomp and circumstance of Ramel and Dumel coming down from the Silver City. Mm-hmm. I was remind that like that hit that spark in my mind, and I'm like, oh, they're the ones that get it. Yeah. Oh no. Oh right. no. You know. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say, like I said, this is one of those. There are stuff as much as I've reread this. 
that like, there's like moments where I forgot, you know what I mean? Like, okay, this, that I kind of have a, an overarching feel of like the story. Um, some of the minor players I forget, but like I said, that double panel right there is ingrained in my brain before we even started. So I'm like, yep, I remember who gets hell. You know what I mean? Even at issue one. Um, so that's fantastic. And basically he can't take it. He's like, so Dumas, uh, uh, Dumas stands up and basically the, the silent one who's taking a vow of silence takes it. And I like the line. Um, he's like, if you want it, it's yours. And, and, and Duma takes it. And he asks him what the other one, what he'll do. And I like the line. He's like, what can I do? I can't allow my fellow to drink from the cup that I have refused. I will go with you, Duma. I will go to, with hell. And I like that Sandman basically says very well, you have my sympathies. Let me tell the others. And I like when he goes to see them that like they're, they're already fighting like over whose it's going to be. And, you know, obviously, uh, as is like, it's going to be ours, uh, basically. And he comes in, Samman comes in and he's like, I had assumed that you would wait, at least wait for me to make an announcement before electing yourselves, uh, Lords of hell. I was wrong. And he basically lays out what, what's going to happen. Uh, cause they're like, Oh, it's enough babbling with, you know, with it all. Cause he kind of does the proper thing as he always does talking to people. And he's like, I, like, give me as I was like, give me the key to hell. He's like, I can't, I can't give it to any of you. And they're all kind of like, what? Uh, the fairy folk are like, yes, like he's going to keep it. Uh, Odin's like, why not? And the angels say, basically it's ours. The God, God wants it back. Uh, the war between heaven and hell is over. Uh, it's under our control and uh, it will be, you know, the, our underworld. And, and he's like, everybody's like, on whose authority? And they're like, whose do you think? And basically, you know, most of the people, you know, are, are kind of like, they get it. Like, cause the Japanese guy says, are you sure? He's like, I did not create it. That's his. He wants it back. There's nothing more I can do. So Azel is like, I told you, like you were going to give it or what would happen. And he says, and I know your rules. You offered us hospitality when you arrived, arrived and you can't harm any of us. He's like, but I came here with your little Nada and I'm going to, you know, devour her soul. Like I said, I would, and I will. And every bite I'm going to be doing it. I'm going to be thinking of you. And he's like, oh, I like that. Like, I love when like people mess with, with Sam and except for uh, Lucifer, who he was afraid of. He's always like, come on. Like from the Corinthian to Dr. D to like all of them. He's like, you're just stop it. You know? And he basically says, I, you're right. I did offer my hospitality, but to all my, my, my visitors. And that includes Chorazan and Nada. He's like, so and I will see that you don't hurt them. And he's like, hey, come if you want, if you think you can do it, bring it. He's like, and also I renounce your hospitality. Um, I think that's going to turn out to be a slight mistake, Joe. I do, um, I want to say the panels above that, okay, mm-hmm. where they're having the discussion, um, you know, it leads over from the previous page um, where, as, it was it Aziel? Right. I just say Azel, so I don't know. Azel is giving, you know, cutting the promo on Morpheus, right? <laughs> um, and we get, like, and I'll say the four faces of Morpheus, right? Bottom of that page where he's kind of picking up his collar a bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we go to that next shot where we get the full body shot of Morpheus, but we don't see his face. Then we get a shot where we get to see, like, a lot of Morpheus's neck and mo- a little bit more softer of a look. 
and he's kind of looking down upon uh, Azazel as he's saying this. Right. And it's kind of like, I'm telling you my gamut that while, uh, you know, you cannot harm, you know, like, yes, Azal, you are correct. I cannot harm you, but also um, the other people that you brought with you uh, cannot be harmed either. And then we get that next page where it's more of a head-on shot, the deep eyes, the red dots in there. And just to see in those few panels there, three, four completely different ways in this one conversation that Morpheus is being drawn. I love it. Yeah, oh, so beautiful. Beautiful artwork. And he's like, when he renounces his hospitality, he's like, very well. He's like, I don't believe that like you, you, you know, entered my consciousness kind of thing. And he's like... He's like, you know, I, I did. And he's like, very well, if you if you release them, they are yours. You may leave freely. Fail and I'll feast on your soul. And he's like, do you think you can find them? And he's like, very well. And he ends up finding Chorazon first. And I like the line that he says, oh, it's you, Azrael. As Azel said, it, it planned to give me to you for torture. I prayed that it was lying, as it often does. But then I was wrong as I often am great dialogue, especially when an idiot knows they're an idiot. And he goes, yes, you are. As he's often wrong. He's like, take my hand. And then he's like, that's one of them. And he's like, so he ends up and he finds Nada, and he's like, touch my hand. And he's like, have you come here to free me? He's like, please, we don't have time. Just, just take this. He's like, I have freed them both. And he's like, did you? He's like, oh, okay. I said, I'd let you leave. If you freed them, did I not? He's like, yes, you did. He goes, I lied. As Chorazan sets up and he's like, Basically, I'm gonna eat your. I'm gonna. I'm gonna consume you. And he's like, "Wait, where are you?" And he's like, "Come on, like really? Like you, you, you threaten me in my at the heart of my own realm, where I'm the most powerful. I'm anywhere, and uh, this is my house. This is the dreaming, um, kind of a deal." And he's like, "So, in the light of your actions, it was extremely unwise to reject my hospitality." And he ends up like putting him in a like a, a container, a glass container with the cork on top, the old fashioned cork. Love it. And he says, I trust this will teach you better manners, little demon. Uh, and he puts them in a chest uh, with various things. And there's the skull of the Corinthian, Joe. Okay, I was going to say, Todd, I, I, are there any other things in that chest that we should be aware of? There's, I don't know if you know this one, there's a pocket watch. I know the pocket watch. And then there's a city in glass. Now, hmm. there's, there's a coin there as well. True, true. Does that coin come up here shortly with um the special, I think? I think it might, Joe. I think yeah. it might. And it looks like there's a ring there as well, next to the Corinthian's mouth. Mm-hmm. Okay, we could do 20 minutes just on this panel alone, but okay. Joe, before we go on, <laughs> this is the moment, like, when, I, like, not in the first read. Do you get my meaning? Yep. Not in the first read. But this is one of the two times where it completely overwhelms me of how brilliant Neil Gaiman is as a writer and the artist that portrayed the book and what, you know, what, who told what to do. I'm not going to get in, go down that road, but how deep this is at literally we're at one third of the storyline, the basic beginning of the storyline. Uh, and there's all these, these Easter eggs. And I'm like, when, and you don't notice it because you, it literally takes you 20 more issues to get to some of them. And, but then when you reread it, you're like, oh my God, it was all here. It was all here. And that's why I love this book so much. 
Um, so he basically says, anybody else <laughs> you know, got a problem with my decision? And they're all like, nope. Now, okay, good. Now it's time to say your goodbyes. Um, your favorite, you know, entourage guy, the empty cardboard box says. Now, I do, I do want to mention. So after Morpheus does this, puts a Zazel in the bottle, puts the bottle mm-hmm. in the chest. We go to a shot of several of the deities that are there. Right. That's a key shot. Yes, it is. All right. Um, and, so, and then I yes, love so everyone sh- saying their goodbyes. Right. I do love the shot of him. You know, basically, he's like, does anybody have a problem? Then there's that shot that you say that's very important. And then there's that deadpan Sandman, like, nobody's going to chime up, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's a warning shot across the bow, you know? So he goes, okay, I'll see your goodbyes. The the empty box said goodbye. I like the little girl with the fish balloon. Um, he shows up. He's like, so you're basically going to do all those things to me till the end of time? And she's like, you know, all those terrible, terrible things. She's like, oh, we just made that stuff up. We just didn't want anyone else to get it. Thank you for having me at your party, Mr. Dreamy. Um, I had a good, you know, I had a lovely time. The demons come, and he asked them, like, where you two, the mother of spiders, Chorizano go. He's like, oh. I guess, you know, we'll go to hell. They're like, the the demons are lining up at the gates. So I figure we'll join them. And they asked, they're like, what would you do with Azel? As Azel. And he's like, nothing. I'll just give him some time to reflect, you know. Uh, I expect him, uh, I shall let him out eventually. I like that. So, you know, the gods come one by one. Uh, The the Egyptian gods come and say, sorry, we were not able to uh, come to an agreement. Um, Sam says, well, my brother wants his privacy and I'm prepared to respect that. She says, but if you ever change your mind, come further and I'll tell, kind of tell you what I know. So then the Norse gods show up and I like, he's like, uh, I regret that I was forced to reject your offer. And he's like, I, you're sorry. Hmm. Kind of like, uh, but you're still welcome to drink mead in my realm. Um, and he's like, okay, thank you. Uh, Basically, and he says, uh, you know, to, to talking to Thor, and he's like, I hope I wasn't too boisterous. I guess his hungover hangover is gone, Joe, because I don't see the cloud. You know? Right. Um, and he's like, I, I'm sorry for my, you know, boisterousness. He's like, um, I'm not one for errors and graces. And I like, he's like, I had noticed. Um, and we're going to go. And he's like, Loki won't say goodbye. And Loki, because obviously uh, Thor has him by the mouth, so he can't talk because he's a liar and a schemer. He's like, no, you don't have any, you, something's wrong. And Thor just knocks him out, says, like, I've been waiting to do that for 1,200 years. Time to go back to your hole. Um, So Matthew shows up and he says, basically, uh, the uh, the envoys from Ferry want to stay um, because they have some – and the Japanese lord wants to say stay. They have some stuff they want to talk to you about. And he's like – yeah, that's okay. Let the service take care of him. I'll talk to him later. And he's like, how does it feel not to have the key to hell anymore? And he's basically like, you know, feel like a great weight's been taken off my shoulders. I'm finally glad to be rid of it. And I like that Matthew asked, and there's a cool shot of him, like, staring down the barrel of the camera. He's like, the angels, they won't be corrupted by it. And I like that he no-sells them. He just goes, I'm going to my quarters. Uh, basically, I have one last task for you, and then you can go back to Eve's cave. He goes, go to the woman, Nada. And tell her we need to talk. And this is another bit of brilliant. Oh, go ahead. Can I read this? Oh, by all means, Joe. All right. So uh, he he said uh, Morpheus says uh, you know to Matthew before he goes to Eve's cave, um, you know, tell her that I request her company for dinner tonight. 
tell her that we need to talk. And Matthew says, right, I'll tell her you want to talk to her. And Morpheus says, I don't want to talk to her, Matthew. I doubt that she wants to talk to me. But still, we will talk. Joe, I <laughs> right now. That is one of the best. Like, Season of Mists is so good, Joe. So good. A discussion where Morpheus is going to have to answer for him being a jerk to his girlfriend is treated with the same importantness and breath and weight as him going to take on Dr. Destiny to get his ruby back, him going to hell uh, to get his key back. All of these things are treated with the same amount of importance. And if you just pick this book up, you're like, okay, whatever. But if you've been reading along this long and you know how we got to that point, you know that those words and this moment that's coming up is just as powerful, if not more, than anything else that we've seen up to this point. And just the the way he flips it back, he's like, all right, I'll go tell you you want to talk. You know what I mean? It's like not we uh, no, and for all these godlike things, someone who's been sent to hell, you know what I mean? Like that's two people. I, you know what I'm trying to say? It's super realistic dialogue, even though narcissistic Sandman's in his own. You know, wor- I don't know. It just that always stuck with me. Just uh, you know how how fun that conversation's going to be. You know? Yeah. So you ready for uh, issue twenty eight? I'm ready for the end of Season of Mists. Yep. So we're in hell, and, you know, Remiel and Duma are talking, and he's basically like, you know, soon the, 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 all the stuff is going to be back tomorrow. It's going to be like you never even noticed it changed. He's like, they're coming back. And uh, basically he's like, so what do you have to say about that, uh, Duma? And he's like, basically you're not going to speak. Like, even though – he was basically thrown into the pit with, you know, by the creator's kind of like whim to, to have them take over hell. He's still going to be the Duma that they know. He's going to stick to his, you know, pledge and everything like that. And I do like, uh, uh, basically, Remo's like, okay, you don't have to, but you're still going to stick to your vow of silence. Um, he's like, but, you know, it's, it's ours now. It's just me and you. Uh, we're the rulers of hell, uh, answerable only to our creator. For good or ill, it's just the two of us. And then um, I do like that uh, we're going to get Nada and uh, Sandman kind of uh, kind of like doing their, their thing. He's like, they come in. He's like, hello, please be seated. Thank you. And, uh, he basically says, like, and I like this. This also sums up everything you need to know if you haven't been reading Sandman for the last how many issues. He's like, you hungry? He's like, I was hungry for the first thousand years. But after that, I grew used to it. Um, but I have no body anymore, so I'm one of the dead. He's like, they kind of have that awkward look, and they both start talking. And then they're like, no. Nope. He's like, I'm sorry you were going to say. He's like, no, you first, Sandman. You have something to say to me? And now I'm reading this in whole because it needs to be said, This the the, the stuff on this panel. He's like, Nada, 10,000 years ago, I I condemned you to hell. I now think I think I might have acted wrongly. I think perhaps I should apologize I should tell you that I'm sorry. And not as just like you think you may have acted wrongly. Perhaps you should apologize. She's like, I spent 10,000 years in hell. I was like cut every day by glass. I couldn't stand up in my cell. 
I froze at night. I boiled in the day. And you think perhaps you should apologize. You, you, you make me sick. And she hauls off and cracks him one, Joe. And he's like, you hit me. You struck me. You struck me at the heart of the demon. I should. I ought to. And I, And she's just like, she has no fear at this point. What? Send me back to hell? He's like, no, I'm sorry. You were right. What I did was wrong. Um, I, I, you hurt my pride and I hurt you. I was wrong. There's nothing else I can say. That is a rough couple of panels, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she says, I accept your apology. Um, and he basically says, come stay with me. You know, I'll give you, I'll, I'll offer you to be my queen again. She's like, nope, nothing's changed my mind. Um, she's like, but you could give all this up, you know. He's like, you suggested that once before. My answer has not changed. I have my responsibilities. I cannot abandon them. Joe, I say it every time. Sandman's anything. It's all about his responsibilities. And his um, powers, too. He had to get those back. Yep, yep. So he basically <laughs> says, there's a couple of things. We'll discuss what we can do in this situation. So... Sasanzo, oh no, Makito, the uh, the uh, Japanese storm god, he's like sneak, he's, he's giving the Irish goodbye, the Sandman, you know, and he's like, I've been humbly uh, sent, I have to go back, he's like, but I, I was unworthy of your hospitality, but thank you nonetheless, he's like, unworthy of my hospitality, yeah, I think you were, and he kind of is like, what, he's like, how dare you, he's like, I dare, uh, uh, because you are Loki, and he's like, you guessed, he's like, eh, should have realized it sooner, but, uh, you know, I might have saved one guest in inconvenience. He goes, but why him? And I like that he goes, basically because, you know, he was standing next to me, you know, during the fight between you and Azazel. And he's like, and maybe it's just because I don't like Storm Gods. They rub me the wrong way, which goes back to you saying about that panel. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, and again, just to go back, just to address that. So before the thing with Azazel happens, we get to we get to see everyone kind of standing together. And even the Japanese Storm Lord gets an opportunity to say something, right? Mm-hmm. Then when Sandman is done dealing with Azazel and we get that group shot of all the god characters standing there... Um, Loki is missing from the shop. Yep. And the whole time Loki has been right next to Odin and Thor. Loki is missing and standing right next to them instead is the Japanese storm god. Yep. We don't see it happen, but that's all we need to know that it did happen. Yep, it's there and them telling us now it all works out, you know what I mean? Yep. Um he's like uh he's like he's like I shouldn't be there. Why why shouldn't he take my place? He's like, because he was a guest. He's like, so am I. Um, he's like, you know, I can't, you know, I, I can't permit him to, to take your place, to suffer. He goes, I will free him. He goes, I could return you to the pit. Loki's like, no. He goes, or I could use some of my dream stuff and c- create a carbon copy and leave you there. Leave it there and nobody would be the wiser. I'm willing to do this. And Loki like begs. He's like, Okay, I will do this, but you will be in my debt. Do you understand this? He's like, I understand. He's like, well, let us talk about this. And this is one of those things. I love the little things that like back with like a hobgolding and or Shakespeare. It's like, let's talk. And then we ain't getting what's going on here for a while. But something's going to happen. And it should go swimmingly because it's Loki. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, 
so now the the fairy folk uh, are talking, and I like the fact that he's he's like wondering if the Egyptian envoy person will ever call him back, write him because they had you know they had relations, if you will. And she's like, could you read it? And he's like, basically talking about what hieroglyphics are, and he's like, yeah, I can't, I can't really do that. Um, and he's like, well, Sandman, they talk to him, and he's like, I'm sorry, I kept you waiting. He's like. Well, we have to go, but there's something I have to tell you, um, and I suppose it slipped my mind. And he's like, basically, even if you didn't give us hell, um, I, you get to keep my sister. She's like, what? You didn't tell me that. He's like, yeah. she kind of goes off on him, and he's like, uh, he's like, I, you know, if she doesn't wish to stay with me, like she can go home. He's like, no, the queen will not be pleased. And uh, Nuala will risk her like her wrath, and he's like, hmm. And then in the typical Sandman thing, like he wants nothing more to do with this. And the shot of him walking away, throwing up his hands, saying, "Very well, <laughs> it's perfect. Very well, she may stay in the living quarters somewhere out of the way. Like, pff, leave me alone." But then, like in the cruelest thing, he's like, "However, if you remain here, you must remove your glamour. Uh, I mislike little magics, which is such an insult, right, Joe?" Like your little magics, you know? And he's ah, like, it's cute, your little magic. Yeah. He's like, so there. And sh- how she is, she's not the gorgeous. She's like frumpy kind of a deal with her she's hair. She's not a statuesque blonde, mm-hmm. you know? She's a frumpy, big-eared, you know, tiny little thing. Yep. And I like it. He's like, I haven't seen what you, you look like, you know, in a long, long time. Like, And he's like, okay. And then Nada shows up, like, I'm ready for, like, what we discuss. And uh, he's like, now? He's like, she's like, I'm, yeah, I'm going to take the second of the choices you gave me. It seems the easiest. It's like, now he's like, that, like, what, what, what's going to change if I don't kind of go? He's like, all right, just take my hand. And I like that she asked, I spent 10,000 years, you know, in hell kind of a deal. Could I have just walked away from that? She's like, he's like, perhaps. You know, kind of deal that your hell is your own making, which has been a major theme in this whole like story. Um, and I, he's like, "Will you remember me?" You think? And he's like, "I will always care for you." He's like, "I know, but what about me? Will I remember that you care?" She's, he's like, "No, but I shall know. I shall know." That always gets me every time he says it. You know what I mean? And basically, we cut to Hong Kong where she's being reincarnated, and he tells her, "You, you know, yeah." I'll never forget you have a good life. You will always be welcome in the dreaming, whoever's body you wear. Cut to Perth, uh, Australia, where like this old uh, Australian guy's walking down the beach. Lucifer's sitting there and he's basically saying, I see you down here, you know, recently. The The sunset's beautiful, isn't it? He's like, yeah. He basically talks about his life. He's like, listen, he's like, I married you know, had twins, twin died, in the, one of the twins died in the war, me and the other twin got messed up, you know, about it, and years later, we got drunk, and we crashed a car, I was the only one to walk away, he died, my wife got cancer and died, you know, my leg is still hurts, and he's like, I've had a terrible life kind of a deal, but you know what, I think that any god that can do a sunset like that, a different one every night, You've got to respect the old guy, haven't you? And I'm cleaning up the <laughs> the thing. And he's like, hey, he's a, he's a, you know, he's an old Australian man. He's talking a little uh, Randy there, you know? He's got a little that Keith Giffen language, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And he's like, all right, I'll see if you're here tomorrow. And Lucifer, in a great, like, great shot, he's like, you know what? I got to admit, that old guy's got a point. 
sunsets are blar- mar- are blood your sunsets are bloody marvelous you old so and so and he just kind of goes satisfied kind of like 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 a little bit of a respect um cut to hell and Remill and Duma are talking he's like basically you know we're back we're pretty much back to full thing like you know full speed ahead and he's like, but things are going to be slightly different down here. And he finds like somebody flailing away on one of the the, the, the inhabitants. And he's like, he's like, no, please, he's like bad man, take the message. He's like, nope, stop. He explains to the person, he's like, there will be no more unwanted violence, no further suffering inflicted, inflicted without reason or explanation. We will hurt you, and we will not be sorry. But we don't do it to punish you. We do it to redeem you. Because afterwards, you'll be a better person. And because we love you, one day you'll thank us first. And he flies away. And basically the guy, the person there, we don't know if it's a guy or girl. And he's like, that makes it so much worse. So much worse. And I'm like, that's brilliant. Um, And they just go, basically, he's like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, he goes and, and he actually smiles, Remo smiles at the screams he hears. He's like, but basically maybe I've judged too harshly. This is all part of the creator's plan and perhaps events have ended happily after all, happily after all in hell. And then, then basically we just see destiny in his realm closing the book of destiny at the end of this story, which he kickstarted, uh, Back in the beginning, like it started in his realm, walking with the book and everything. And, you know, we make that joke. It's poetry, but because it rhymes. And we've made a fun, we've had a lot of fun with that phrase. But Neil uses that so well, so often that I can't make fun of it. You know what I mean? I love this storyline. It's fantastic. Um, You know, obviously... Uh, we read the two issues a week or whatever it is, but every time I finish the two that I have to read, I'm like, I just want to read more. I may be five or six issues ahead, <laughs> and then I come back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I and I do reread the two, so it's they're fresh in my head because I'll have four or five issues in the hopper, if you will, already. So right. But. Uh. So yeah, so we got the next uh, next week. We have the beginning of a new story arc uh, with issues twenty nine and thirty. Yes, which depending on your collection may be in the next collection or not. Because originally, as we discussed, I think I'm previewing the past where uh, Doll's House came out as the first trade because they wanted to you know do that. So then they put out the first one. And then it's like, okay, we're putting out each other one. But then after uh, seasons, Season of Mists, it's like, okay, there's 21 to 28 collected. Then they put out, um, after it was all done, A Game of You, which collected 32 to 37. So they jumped, you know, three issues, as we say. And then Fables and Reflections came out, which was 29 through 31, then 38 through 40, which takes place after A Game of You and before Brief Lives, and 50 is in there. So you're reading the 50 that you should read after brief lives. Joe, I lost my mind when these trades came out. I was like, this is the way you read them. Joe, when I gave these trades to people, I had sticky notes. (laughs) Uh, Joe, I was so OCD about this and I hated it. And this takes me back to like hating 
trade paperbacks out of print or out of order, like with Starman with the days past, you know, in their own. And literally I'd be like, all right, you have to read Seasons of Mist. Then you have to get the Fables and Reflections. You have to read these three stories. And I would, you know, post it note them. Then you have to go back to Game of View. Then you have to come back to uh, 38 through 40. Then you have to read wherever the Sandman spent. Like read these four issues or five <laughs> issues. Then read this. Then come back. Then read 50. And then after that, it pretty much just, you know, flows, flows, out, flows yeah. out to the end. But I had to learn to stop doing that because people who had never read a comic were like, you are insane. So I was just like, all right, do it the way they want you until they redid the collections. And now they're pretty much the right way in all the new collections. So sorry, I had to go off on a tirade, Joe. That's okay. It was worth it. Um, Issues uh, 29 and 30 for next week. Yep. <laughs> I may have to I, calm down. I haven't grabbed them off the shelf yet, but I'm almost certain that I have post-it notes in mine, too, because of you. Right. Probably. Probably. Was, you know, all, you, I, I don't know if we ever asked. Was I the one who got you to read Sandman, not trying to be funny? Or was no. somebody else? Okay. I you got me to read Preacher. And Justice League International. And Justice League International. Which brings us back to Salty Keith. <laughs> but anyway... Right. Um, so, hey, before we hit the plugs and before we hit Mandalorian, I would be remiss not to mention, uh, uh, hey, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did. We had one. Thank God my notifications came through, Joe. Um, f- and this was very steeped. I know Joe was going to love this one as soon as I saw it. Um, from Matt Turner, for my cousin's birthday, my daughter Lily made him a birthday card of Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenet. Keep up the great work, guys. And there's a picture of happy birthday, Cousin Frank. And there's a very svelte uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. But they look fantastic. And inside it says, it's your birthday. Oh, excuse me. Will you stop it? I'll, I'll have to take you out of here. Lily, smiley face emoji. Um, I really like that. I may bag on wrestling, but I will never bag on Bobby the Brain Heenan. Someone who we almost traveled to get a picture with. Yes, literally we were going to get our free convention passes, drive (laughs) three and a half hours, pay the VIG to get our Mark photo with Bobby Heenan, and then drive the three and a half hours home. Who does something like that? But maybe if you're seeing a comedian. But anyway. Um, But Lily's art is great. Uh, Very... Um, I'm not sure that she, it's a. They look like they're um, like manga characters, manga that, characters, yes. or Elfin or something. A like very that. chibi style, as it were. Um, you know, Gorilla does look like he's been passing on the pumpkin pie in this shot. <laughs> um, you know, but she does capture his Manchurian features very well. Right. But so great stuff. Just, great yeah. stuff. Uh, thank you very much for. Um, you know, tweeting that to us, uh, Matt, and of course, I've known Matt for a million years, and I know uh, Todd hates this sort of thing, but uh, Matt does a very um, popular uh, pro wrestling podcast, very specifically about the Japanese uh, promotion Stardom. Uh, Stardom Cast is the uh, Twitter handle. If you are a fan of Japanese women's wrestling, especially the current stuff, definitely go check out uh, Matt's podcast. Oh, man. Does he know more about Japanese wrestling than your other co-host? Yes. Wow. That's a lot. A lot more. Now, was Matt Turner... Was uh, I believe I met him at a New York Comic Con. He might was he the one who was dressed as Matt Hardy or was he the other one? Do you remember? He was the other one. Okay, the other both- one is Andy Hedder, 
who is also a big fan. They're, they are professional wrestling tag team partners. Fantastic. Well, if I'm at a con and, and they're there, come by and say hi. For sure. Um, so, of course, while you're over, hey, uh, longboxheroes.com, um, go to the store, get a shirt, pin, or sticker directly from me, ready to send out. Um, you can head over to our T Public store, which is also linked up there. The 35% sale is going on as we speak. Uh, it's just going on for Wednesday and Thursday. A quickie sale, still 35% off. So definitely check that out. Um, you can also make any and all of your purchases through our um, eBay affiliate link. Um, hey, if you're buying stuff on eBay, hard to find items, whatever, um, your affiliate link will help us out. Uh, when you click on links to various merchants on this site and make a purchase, this could result in the site earning a commission. Affiliate programs and affiliations include, but are not limited to, the eBay Partner Network. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't have the same ring to it, but it is what it is. Right. Uh, you could also help us out and help yourself out by signing up for our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Heroes. Uh, go sign up a dollar a month, $5 a month. You are going to get two bonus podcasts from Todd and myself. Uh, one is our movie podcast this year. We are looking at your comic book oddity type films. We've already discussed the Roger Corman Fantastic Four, the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury TV pilot, and the 1978 Doctor Strange CBS made-for-TV movie. Next in the hopper is Swamp Thing 2, which is available literally anywhere and everywhere for free. <laughs> right. So it must be good if no one wants sure. to claim rights on it. Sure. Um, and also we have our Previewing the Past podcast, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Uh, and you could also look at the full scans of the catalog as well. Uh, expertly done, high grade, except for the last 30 pages or so. And as I was uploading the pages today, this is, to date, our biggest catalog. Ugh. And from here on out, they are thir 300 pages or more for the and, rest of the time that we're doing them. Right, and this, the, there's like a star system, like just stuff you can buy that we've already talked about. So they're 400 pages, you know what I mean? Right. At some point, but it, but I was like, I heard the guy was like, I'm not scanning those. Like, and we're smack dab in the middle of the time Bane tuckered out Batman. So, but just like, I haven't done the free post mm -hmm. uh, yet where I take out like some choice things from it, you know? Yeah. But just as I was making my notes of stuff to pull, Todd, I, I'm letting you know block off like five hours to record this episode this week oh my goodness you might have to give me an iggy so i know what to after we're done so i can like do some homework you know what i mean uh-huh so so uh that being said um what do we have left mandalorian yep i'm gonna let you take that i'm tired from sandman oh, oh my goodness okay um so hey you remember those pirates from episode one of this season they're back mm -hmm. Um, they come and they blow up Navarro uh, to get revenge on uh, Apollo Creed. Uh, Apollo Creed is able to evacuate the entire city, which is it's only like 50 40 people. people. Right, yeah. Um, so the pirates are there. Um, he sends a request out to the Republic. Now, they haven't signed up to be part of the Republic yet, but he still sends a request out to the Republic to say, hey, like we need some help. Um, you know, we're a big shipping town. Um, you know, we have all these things that if the pirates do fully take us over, 
then this is going to be a big deal for like the entire planet and the entire galaxy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, again, listen, there's bureaucracies involved and all this sort of thing. So the X-Wing fighter pilot guy who gets it, he goes and talks to Tim Meadows in a cameo. Right. What was his famous role? Uh, the ladies' man. Yeah, if you had only played it like the ladies' man, it would have been better. Uh, so the, uh, what's it, uh, Carson Tova, Tiva, whatever, uh, he goes and makes his pitch, and he's like, eh, you know, we got a lot of a lot of other things to take care of in front of that, you know, and mm-hmm. eh, they're not part of the Republic, so that puts them even further down on the list of things uh, that we would be talking about. And that and sketchy then, uh, chick shows up and doesn't help. Right, Elia Kane from two episodes ago, the one who um, uh, entrapped Dr. Pershing to uh, give up the information about the cloning stuff. And she's just there to needle him and just say, like, oh, you know, if this was the Empire, maybe we would have uh, we wouldn't all be in the same predicament. And uh, Carson Tiva's like, oh, you Empire people, you're you're only here. Um, you know, you're not like you haven't changed. You're kind of forced to do this sort of thing. And she's like. I don't know. I'm doing okay. How's things going for you? Not so good, right? Right. And I do like that she kind of says, like, basically, oh, this is kind of the thing that if they were hooked up with the rebellion here, we could help them. And this could be like a learning moment. You know, it's like, oh, you're evil, you know? But anyway. So then uh, Carson Tiva ends up going to the Mandalorians and say, listen, I know we fought alongside each other. And wasn't this guy the one that let Mando pass, like, in season two for something? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he's like, listen, I let you go that one time. You kind of owe me one. We should go and do this. You, you know, you got to go and help out your buddy, Apollo Creed. Mm-hmm. So Mando makes the pitch. He convinces the Mandalorians to go defeat the pirates. They do. They even blow up the main pirates, uh, Carillion Cruiser which must stink when you're a pirate who's completely made out of, like, swamp grass. He's swamp thing. Yeah. I will say I knew they were pirates because he had a big pirate steering wheel. Um, that, that's how you know. Right, but I will say, Joe, when they made the plea for the Mandalorians to fight and then the big uh, the, the guy who carries the Mandalorian gun that's old Painless from Predator, who they saved his son, and he's like, why should we fight for these people? And I'm like... Oh, he's 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 gonna do a turn in the middle of his promo, Joe. <laughs> he basically says, "Because why do we fight? Because we're Mandalorians." I'm like, I never saw that coming. Never saw it at all. So it's kind of kind of like, eh, you know, by, paint by the numbers in that scene. But go ahead. Uh, so they defeat the pirates. Everyone rejoices, and the the payment was in you know the first episode. Was and again, I'm giving him a short shift. It's Carl Weathers, it's Grief Carga. Mm-hmm. And he said to Mando, then he's like, Oh, you know, you stay here, you be the sheriff. I got a little plot of land for you, you know, and you can hang out there, right? Right. So, this is what the payment ends up being is that Mando, you know, he's not going to agree to be the sheriff, but because he helped the people of Navarro, he gets that plot of land for the Mandalorian, so they don't need to be constantly roaming around and be nomadic type people, right? Right, and and probably they'll end up being, like, the protectors of that town, you know? Right. Um, So with that being said, the armorer, who is my favorite of the Mandalorians, there's just something about her look that I like. And the hammers and the the tongs, man? The hammers, the tongs, I like the gold armor. If you have armor that has fur on it, I think that's always a plus, right? But what if that's Wookiee fur? Then how do you feel then? 
Oh, you're anti Wookiee agenda? Over I'm, not, I'm not anti Wookiee, but I'm just going to say, I'm just going to assume that it was gifted to her. What if that was Bib Fortuna skin? Then we're going to have a talk. There you go. I would I would be able to spot Bib Fortuna's fleshy white skin anywhere. <laughs> you are an expert. So. I am. So um, the armorer decides that um, Bo-Katana has to go because she walks between both worlds. And she, Bo-Katana, is going to be the one that's going to bring all of the other rogue Mandalorians back. And to get all the Mandalorians again under one house. And part of that is, is because the armor believes Bo-Katana when Bo-Katana told the story that she saw the Mythosaurus when Mando himself was bathing himself in the waters of Mandalore. Yep. Which uh, I still stand by because Star Wars loves to ride things. Somebody's riding that mythosaur before it's all over. And I still stand by season four and or five, like when we get out there, is gonna Katie Sackoff is, is going to be the Mandalorian taking over. I you think really, so? Yes. I think what's-his-face is going to uh, – Pedro Pascal is going to be like, I'm going to bigger – Bigger and better things. I'm going to go do big big budget movies and stuff like that. Maybe I'll show up occasionally. I don't know. And do voices. But we'll see. I just feel that that's... I said this before. That's the reason the show's named The Mandalorian. Because it could be any Mandalorian at all. But then we get one more thing, which would have been a post-credit sequence, but it wasn't. Right, because it's not the end of the season. Because it's not the end of the season. Um, where the X-Wing fighter from earlier is out there and he sees kind of like a trashed uh, Imperial cruiser. Yep. Uh, prison transport thing. And all that they could find in there when he sends a little probe in there is the remains of the crew, but notices that the prisoner that they were transporting, there's no trace of them. And that prisoner was none other than Moff Gideon himself. <sighs> and there was a piece of Beskar left behind, and that is in no way someone planting evidence to make people think it was the Mandalorians who stole them. Well, listen, uh, Beskar is hard to come by, so it had to be a Mandalorian, right? It had to be. It had mm -hmm. to be. Not that your boy, who was it, the one that you liked, has the action figure, um, the German guy, the actor. Uh, the, the, uh, the client. Uh, why can't I think of his Werner Herzog? Yeah, Herner Wurzog. Um, oh. he he uh he had tons of Beskar, so maybe it was him. Hmm. I hope they bring him back. Just I hope they bring him back too. He deserves I, another payday. I think he's dead, but hey, they could clone him in this season. If any, if they're not gonna, if this is, uh, you know what I say, the client is a good test of the first clone. If their plan is to clone uh, Emperor Palpatine, right? Though I will, I will make an arrangement with you. Two people they should also clone. I will give you Bib Fortuna if you give me Cad Bane. All right. So that's what we'll do. That's you know after they they run it out on the client to test it, and then eh, Palpatine. Then when they you know perfect it with Bib Fortuna, then they could do it on Cad Bane. You know. But that's everything. I, think. I, I have a feeling that it's going to be um, Palpatine or nothing, you know? Yeah, well, we can wish, Joe. Yeah. All right. That is all for the show this week. Short show. 
as always. So, hey, thanks, everyone, for listening to uh, episode 652 of Longbox Heroes. Uh, For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll catch you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.